Hey everyone, welcome to the UFD Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Voles, Site Manager, Emperor, Supreme Warlord, and Defender of the Faith over at OneFootDown.com on the SB Nation Network. And it's just me today. Uh, Jude and Brendan uh, already put in a little bit of work with our friend Greg, and I hope you're enjoying that podcast episode. Uh, but our schedules are just a little bit uh, a little bit off, and that's fine. We're going to get to, uh, this way you guys going to get a double pod this week, get a little more information, get a, get a few extra little things. Uh, as the kids say out there, uh, get that, it's extra. Is that, is that, is that what the kids are saying? Uh, I, I don't know. So anyway, so uh, one of the things that, uh, I don't know, maybe not everybody is aware out there. I know, I know some of the crazy, I know all the crazies are. It's National Signing Day. You know, it's coming up in a week. It's on Wednesday, uh, December 16th. That's important. Recruiting is very important. Just look at Notre Dame's 10-0 run right now. It's a huge thing on you know what they do and uh, affects so much of, of how things go over the next few years. So with that in mind, I thought, you know what? It's a good time to bring our good friend Tom Loy back onto the show uh, and get, shoot him some questions, drill him about uh, about some prospects we're interested in and, and get a little more insight, <clears throat> not, in ju- not just in the class itself, but uh, the overall recruiting machine um, that, you know, that Notre Dame is using. Uh, and it's, it is a vast process. And uh, Tom was gracious enough to t- take some time and come in and uh, sit down and answer some of our questions. So we are going to get to that in a moment. Uh, but first, uh, just just to let you know, please get over to Apple Podcasts, rate and review this show. Uh, every review that you leave, we will read on the next OFD podcast. Uh, five-star ratings are so key. Uh, it helps us reach uh, all sorts of Notre Dame people that maybe they wouldn't have found uh, you know, this show. Maybe they, need it, maybe they need it in their life. Maybe they need it just to know they didn't need it uh, <laughs> or, or whatnot. So... Anyways, I am going to normally normally on the OFD podcast. Obviously, I got some partners with me, and obviously, I read them at the beginning of the show. It's it's kind of kind of a good way to kick off uh, our Notre Dame conversation. But we're going to get to Tom first, and then after we're done with Tom's interview, then I'm going to get to all the reviews uh, that you guys have left uh, over the last week, and uh, we'll get those read and put out there for. Uh, put out there for all for you guys to hear so all right so let's just get right on into it and let's go over and uh, let's talk to tom loy uh, about notre dame recruiting and joining us once again irish illustrated recruiting analyst tom loy tom welcome back to the ofd podcast how you doing good josh thanks for having me buddy how are you doing oh man i am living life up over here in uh the suburb the 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 Ohio suburbs of Fort Wayne. Uh, I like it. <laughs> nothing but gray skies and cornfields, buddy. No question. Which is, uh, so, I mean, we're here. We're, we're, which is why we got you out of the show. You're the man, Tom. You, you, uh, you are just a Rolodex of everything Notre Dame recruiting. And the early signing period for National Signing Day is coming up on Wednesday, December 16th. Are we in for some surprises this year? Okay. Before, let me ask you this question, Tom, and, I, and I've, I've been talking about this for, for a long time. I get that the early signing period is great for Notre Dame. It's absolutely fantastic. It works out tremendously. 
And I get that it's much easier for those of us who cover it, even more so for you than someone like me. Uh, but don't you just kind of miss, don't you just a little bit kind of miss the, the no holds barred showdown in February, the, the, the one time, uh, deal. Do you, do you kind of miss, I personally, I miss like, I miss the, the craziness part of the one day. Uh, do you feel that way at all? Or are you just so glad to have, to have this spread out a little bit? I mean, a little bit, but it's not really spread out. I mean, especially as you know, I mean, you know, when you cover Notre Dame, you're either in for the early signing period or they're going to recruit your spot. Um, they, they right. want like Notre Dame's always taken it that if you're not signing in December, then we're, and we shouldn't say always cause it's such a, a new thing, but Notre Dame stance is that if you're not signing in December, you're probably looking around, we're going to look around and that's going to kind of open up some doors. So, um, that's, that, that's a tricky situation. And, and obviously with everything academically that goes into it, I mean, these guys that are going to Notre Dame are, are, are locked in. And if they're, you know, there's 23 commitments right now for Notre Dame. And if these guys, if one decided not to sign early, um, I'm not sure it would sit all that well with Notre Dame. I don't think they really want to play that game. Um, a guy like Sierra Wright, a four-star corner out of California. I mean, he's, he doesn't want to sign early. He's not enrolling early. He wants to commit in January. Like Notre Dame's going to continue to recruit him and go, go, and they're fine with that. But if you're, you know, Blake Fisher and you're committed and you don't want to sign in December and you're not enrolling early or something like that, like they're going to, you know, kind of look around and be a little skeptical about, about if you're picking Notre Dame for the right reasons and things like that. So, um, it's, it's not something we really need to worry about. You know, we're going to have a, a, a ton of coverage at Irish Illustrated and 24 seven sports, and it's going to be one big day for us, at least for me. I mean, I, I kind of, I pretty much chilled last year <laughs> on the real signing day. Um, because for me, um, everything was done in December. So it's nice, but it's, uh, it's definitely interesting. I remember growing up and kind of watching recruiting and, being excited watching TV, not knowing where a kid was going to decide and things like that. Now, uh, you know, we're not doing our jobs if we if, if guys are really shocked uh, when it comes to decision time. So usually if you're a Notre Dame fan, you have a pretty good idea where a, a kid's going to go before he makes his decision. Yeah. And but, there, you know, the early signing period over the last few years has provided not, not really drama, but Notre Dame is uh, uh you know, had some excitement. Uh, you know, Asaturno was one. Um, uh, last year, uh, uh, who who's the guy that committed uh, on signing day last year? Was it a California kid? Um, I think well, it was Isaiah Foskey signing day. But he was. But again, even even he I was. I think he a, was known. Yeah. Early commitment. I mean, he had been known for months when he decided to announce. So um, it's just so it's so weird how Notre Dame does it, but it, it makes it. It's so easy to uh, to I wouldn't say it's easy to cover it, but it really eliminates a lot of the drama. I know Noah Boykin was a was a wild one. Um, right. I mean, we Everyone were thought he was going to Virginia, right? Because he was wearing yeah. the, the, the Virginia orange and all. Yeah. And he was telling people there at his signing day press conference. Um, he kind of was doing he even did an interview saying he was going to going to Virginia. And then when he hit the podium, <laughs> pulls out a Notre Dame hat and he. I'm telling you, like, I forget if you were there or not, but at that signing day press conference, like we were actually at Notre Dame because we were waiting for Brian Kelly to talk. And and there was a there was an eruption in the back from the coaching staff because earlier that morning, at least the sources I had talked to, they were like, yeah, he's not coming. He hasn't indicated it. It's just not going to work out. And earlier the week, we were told that 
you know, it was going to be Virginia and things like that. So they were shocked when he picked them. Absolutely. So this year, I mean, I guess there is a little bit of intrigue, right? Uh, <laughs> with, with a pretty big name, uh, Donovan Edwards. So things have picked up over the last, you know, couple months. And, we, and the last time I had you on the show, we talked about it a little bit. And the funny thing is, I don't think a whole lot's changed as far as public knowledge about Donovan Edwards and where he might be going. Like this is a kid who's, who's not really saying a whole lot. There's, there's not a whole lot of tells. Um, but it, from your side of things, you're seeing a lot more confidence coming out of another name, right? So I wouldn't say it's a lot more confidence. Um, they're a little more optimistic than they were, um, you know, even a, 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 month, a month or two ago. So um, it's kind of a crazy recruitment. It's one that was very easy to read early on. Um, Ohio State, you know, the first time I talked to him, I left that conversation thinking Ohio State was a team to beat. Um, I think I was the first person to crystal ball Ohio State to land him. And then all of a sudden they decided to, he was taking his time in his recruitment and then they decided to fill up. They landed two really talented uh, running backs, including, you know, one who very well could be the number one back in the country in Travion Henderson. So Ohio State fills up, they're off the table. Then it kind of moves towards, you know, everybody's assuming he's just going to stay local and go to Michigan. Notre Dame became a legit threat last December when he was on campus. Georgia's always really been that dark horse that was in play um, that like people thought like, all right, every, with how much success they've had with running the football, Donovan Edwards is showing interest. He's clearly looking to play, go, go to a school that, that, you know, wants to run the ball and is willing to run the football. So that's kind of where I had things pegged, Michigan and Georgia. Um, from my conversations with my sources, Notre Dame's been um, – I mean, their their conversations with Edwards have been great. Uh, Lance Taylor has been on the phone with him every day for the last week or so, which is obviously a good sign. It's not a great sign that he wasn't able to get to campus. But again, we're in a dead period. There's not much you can really do at that point except kind of do a self-guided tour and things like that. But um, he was at Michigan a couple weeks ago, if I remember correctly. So um, in checking with sources that I'm connected with across uh, all three schools, I can make it very clear, obviously, all three really want him, but Michigan has the most confidence coming out of this. Um, they're the most, I wouldn't even say optimistic. I think Michigan is confident they're going to land him. Notre Dame has some optimism, some hope. Um, Georgia, I don't think that they're too worried either way. They would absolutely take him, but that's why I've kind of always felt like he was going to stay in the Midwest. So I had it pegged for Notre Dame or Michigan. But, I mean, if you're going simply on the sources I've talked to and how they feel, I mean, I'd have to still give Michigan a strong edge because they feel a lot better at this point. Okay. Uh, did, do you think that the, uh, just because just, just an observation to, from talking to him, uh, you think the, the Harbaugh news uh, about the extension kind of worked out or whatever it is, do you think that really helps Michigan there or was, or is it not there is more that he wanted Michigan itself or that, that he would want Michigan. itself. Yeah. I feel like if Donovan Edwards ends up at Michigan, I really feel that he wanted to go to Michigan and that's the school that, that he feels most comfortable um, and where he feels he fits best. Um, I think that's like what really is going to potentially win out for them. Um, I don't really think that you can really p pick Michigan and think that, Oh, well, I'm picking Michigan because I feel like Harbaugh is a lock to be there while I'm there for the next three to four years or Josh Gaddis or Jay Harbaugh or whatever the case may be. 
Like, I don't feel like there's any commits in Michigan right now um, strictly on the confidence that their coaching staff is going to be there. So I really feel like they're picking a school because they've connected really well with the current players as well as the guys in their current class. Um, you know, like if, if Jim Harbaugh got fired tomorrow and there was a whole staff turnover, like I still feel really good that J.J. McCarthy would stick with his pledge because, first of all, it's Michigan. It's a great job. You know they're going to hire somebody that's well-respected, an up-and-comer, or just a really established coach. Um, and, you know, so I just feel like no matter what, like you got to have some confidence that they're going to do it right at Michigan and, 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 you know, move forward in a good direction. So I feel like if, if, if Michigan lands Donovan Edwards, it's simply because he feels most comfortable with that school and with the players that are, that are connected to that program. And it's less about, you know, any news related to Josh Gaddis or Jim Harbaugh or anything like that. Okay. Uh, just for, uh, just for argument's sake, if, if Donovan Edwards, uh, would choose Notre Dame, the, uh, we've, we've been taking a, some friends and I've been just taking a look at this class itself. Mm-hmm. And just from the offensive side of the ball, you added Edwards to this mix. Does that does this make this, would that make this the best offensive lo- or offensive uh, hall that Brian Kelly's had in his time at Notre Dame? I mean, you could you think it's already. Yeah, you could definitely make an argument. I mean, it starts at the top with Tyler Buckner, a guy that, you know, I've been extremely high on ever since the first time I saw him in person. Um, you know, I saw him at a Notre Dame camp and I was pretty blown away, but it was really the, the one-on-one when I was out in California and watched him throw and just, you know, watching him, watching his footwork and seeing his size and his physical maturity and, and watching him throw an NFL ball around the field. Like it was just nothing. Um, you know, I, he was, he's a five-star, no question in my book and everything he did as a high school junior was not a surprise. I mean, i I think I made it pretty clear that I expected big things out of him and he more than impressed as a junior. And then you look at the offensive line and that group is just, man, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty awesome. I'm not going to lie. And it starts at the top, obviously with Blake Fisher and Rocco Spindler. So when you look at that group as a whole, and, and again, somebody that I think has a chance to be the best of the bunch and maybe even the highest draft pick of that group, Joe Alt. So you got to like what they did there. And then at running back, if they were to pair Logan Diggs with, Donovan Edwards, that's that's definitely a tandem that would be tough to beat across the country. I, I like what they did at receiver. Um, I love Lorenzo Styles Jr. I think he's a a game wrecker, a term that Brian Kelly likes to use a lot. Um, I like Deion Colsey. He was outstanding last summer at the camp when he uh, around the time where he landed that offer. Um, and I like Jaden Thomas. I think he's a versatile kid that can play a bunch of positions. But so I like that trio receiver. But I think that they missed on a couple big names. Um, like the, that bigger target, like a Dante Thornton would have been a really nice addition. Um, I think that that would have been maybe what really separates the wide receiver group from the rest. But I mean, all in all, I think Lorenzo styles is a top 50 overall player. Um, and I don't care whether he plays receiver or defensive back or whatever the case may be. I think he's just a super talented kid. That's going to be a, a, a playmaker in South Bend. And then obviously my opinion, I think 24 seven sports has it correctly rated as a three-star prospect. I'm not completely sold as a four-star. Um, I was a little underwhelmed with him at summer camp at Notre Dame. And, um, I really like, I don't want to make it seem like I don't think it's a, it's a a strong take. I think he's going to fit in really well, but I feel like a lot of people look at, at Notre Dame and then expect to get Michael Mayer every single year. And that's not realistic. Michael Mayer is a special, special talent that doesn't come around all that often. 
And I just feel like a lot of people are like, oh, well, he's not Michael Mayer. And he's not. Kane is a talented prospect. He had a lot of great committable offers. There's a lot of schools coming after him, a lot of respected schools. Um, but I do feel like there's a lot of improvement that's going to have to come. Um, I think Coach McNulty, Tommy Reese, I think those guys are going to have to work him and get the most out of him. And then no question, he could end up being, you know, four years from now in that in that low four-star category. Um, but again, this is not, I don't think this is a Michael Mayer or even Kevin Bauman at this point, but again, it's not a slight, it's just, man, it's really just how highly I think of Mayer. Well, I'm, gl- I'm glad you brought up uh, actually Bauman for, uh, cause they kind of like, <clears throat> you really do have to look, especially at a place like Notre Dame, um, like Notre Dame, Stanford, these are the type of programs that you really have to look at these two year cycles, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, so as far as like, you know, as a two year cycle goes, yeah. Hey, we got Michael Ma- Mayer out there becoming a freshman All-American, but they also got Kevin Bauman last year, who the staff is extremely high on. Yeah. And so if Kane Barron isn't a five-star, uh, you know, type prospect, Notre Dame is still sitting in very good shape. Uh, I know the whole eligibility thing is going to be just weird as hell moving <laughs> forward because of the COVID year. I, I have, you know, and I still have no idea. The NCAA hasn't said anything. We still have no idea. But it still seems like for the immediate future, the next three years, they're pretty set depth-wise across the board. Not just the tight end, but like, you know, you start looking up and down there. You know, and we're we're sweating bullets over Donovan Edwards, but you know, Chris Tyree's on board. So I mean, we're we can see that a freshman making an impact. Kyra Williams is just a redshirt freshman. He's definitely coming back next year. There's these classes, Jordan Johnson, five-star wide receiver. We didn't get Dante Thornton, but throw Jordan Johnson in the mix with the guys that Notre Dame got, you know, in this class, it's a really solid two year cycle. hundred percent, hundred percent. That's the thing. Like this is the one class that, uh, there's some people on our message board at Irish illustrated that are, that are like, Oh, we're not finishing really strong. And, and, and Notre Dame after an undefeated record there, it's kind of just limping to the finish. I, I, I hate that. Because anybody who's been around Notre Dame recruiting knows that they like to get their guys early. They don't like the big splash at the end of the cycle because there's so much academic things that you have to get in order. Like guys are going to be either in or out, and it's very rare that we have to even cover guys down the stretch or you get a lot of signing day excitement. Like I said, Isaiah Foskey was committed months before he he went public with his decision. He was a silent for months. So again, we knew about it, and we try to tell our the, the subscribers about it, but – um, it's just, a, it's just stop worrying so much about when a kid commits or, um, it's just, this class is so special top to bottom. Um, it, I mean, it really is a, I don't care where it ends up in my opinion, this is a top 10 class for Notre Dame nationally. Um, it's one of the best. They hit so many home runs across the board. And I think when you look back at this class, kind of like when you look back at the 2017 class, I know Tim O'Malley, I think it was Tim O'Malley just had a feature on the site about it. And it's just that this class is going to be a potential difference maker, um, for the future of Notre Dame. I mean, there, there's not going to be any rough seasons coming anytime soon. Yeah. No more 2016s, please. No, uh, <laughs> you, you had mentioned academics in that. And it, that's part of the, for Notre Dame, that's a huge part of how they have to recruit. <clears throat> but one of the things I, one of my biggest pet peeves is when someone says, uh, you know, Notre Dame is not recruiting this kid or this kid isn't getting in because of uh, quote unquote academics. It's not because kids aren't bright or smart or even that they don't have good grades. Sometimes it boils down to 
do you have a foreign language credit? Really enough, you know, I've So how does Notre Dame go about that kind of the, that business? Who's in, who kind of runs that for Notre Dame uh, to make sure that they're, that these prospects that they're looking at are working towards? Cause I think, <clears throat> I, I think Donovan Edwards is even a, a guy that, that needed to do certain things um, to, to have certain classes to, to, to be able to, for Notre Dame to recruit him. And he's doing that. So who, who over there in, in the, in the Goog is, is directing these kids like, Hey, we need this, this, and this. Uh, and then, you know, f- for us to, to really extend a true offer to you. Well, I think that, I, I mean, there's really so many guys that kind of play a factor in that. And sometimes it's honestly your, your direct recruiter, your, your uh, primary recruiter, your position coach that kind of makes that real clear. Like, this is what you need to do. Um, I know during this, this COVID situation and the pandemic, Brian Polian, like huge shout out to him because I mean, he has definitely earned his paycheck as a director of recruiting at Notre Dame, obviously the special teams coordinator as well. But um, he has been and he's not going to get a ton of credit as a primary or a secondary recruiter. Um, And I will have a feature on this because it's something I've kind of been digging into um, similar to this question. But he has been like lights out when it comes to being extremely impactful with the Zoom calls and just kind of making sure these guys are showing a lot of love and you know, setting up times to make sure that the kids and the coaches get on the same phone calls at the same times. I mean, he's been really impactful and he's laying out the academic work that these guys need to make sure they get to get done in time. And, um, you know, if you're not, if you want to go to Notre Dame, here's what you have to do. Otherwise you're not going to have that opportunity, um, to get cleared academically and things like that. Um, I know Dave Poloquin, Aaron Carney do a great job behind the scenes as well. Um, they have, I mean, I will say that, that the entire staff, at Notre Dame works so well together and it goes well beyond, um, just the assistant coaches we hear about day in and day out. I mean, like I said, that, that team, um, you know, Aaron Carney, Dave Poloquin, Bill Reese, those guys just, they all do a really good job from a, from a player development and Hunter Bivens should be thrown in there as well, but player development, but also scouting and recruiting and just the organizational, um, it's just as an organization as a whole, it's so impressive. So, there's a lot of people. It's hard to single out one person, but um, they got things working pretty well. I mean, as you could probably see by the success they've had with recruiting. Is there a? Is there a? I, I hate. I really hate using it. Like it's the only word I can use. Is there an academic casualty uh, from Notre Dame's recruiting past that that uh, you were? You know, who who's the, who do you think is one of the biggest ones uh, that Notre Dame just wasn't able to grab? I, I think one of the immediate ones was uh, Marquis Step. Uh, he just wasn't able to make it. Do, do you have, do you have one in mind that you're just like, man, if you just, if you just took this extra geometry class, Notre Dame had him. Uh, I'm, I'm actually blanking on the kid's name right now that chose, he was from Washington and he chose, he was going to choose Notre Dame real late in the process. What was his name? And it's, it's kind of blanking on me. He was probably the one that like was a lock to go to Notre Dame, and then he didn't. Um, I'm pretty sure he was from Washington, and I want to say he ended up as a defensive lineman for Arizona. Um, but that was one that, and, and again, I'm, I hate that I can't think of his name right now, but it was a couple cycles <laughs> back. But he was one that like it was a done deal. As long as he he was coming to Notre Dame, it was happening. And then w- he was a late bloomer. And then when they saw the transcript, they noticed that there wasn't a. I want to say it was a second foreign language. 
and they simply couldn't take it's it. It's always a foreign language. It's okay. always a foreign language. But that's exactly what it was. <laughs> and I'm like, and he called me and he's like, yeah, I can't, you know, I'm not going to be able to go there. It was a foreign language issue and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So oh. it, it was a tough blow. He was super disappointed. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure he ended up at, at Arizona, but that was probably the one. There's always been a couple guys here and there where it'd be a minor creditor. They fell a little short. It wasn't a take, but you know, if you're, if you're close enough and you do, and you, and that's the other thing I feel like, and again, I don't know for a hundred percent fact, but if you put in the work and you really grind over that last year and you put in the effort to, to give yourself a chance at Notre Dame, I think that carries more weight with the, the academic side of the university, because at least it shows that that you can, when the chips are against you, you can put in the work and that'll probably make Notre Dame feel even better about you thriving at Notre Dame. So I think that matters more than, than slack off late in the process and things like that. So speaking of the West coast, uh, so the Notre Dame's defensive end recruiting, uh, it's got a, got a, I want to say wild, but it's been a little up and down this, uh, this last month or so, uh, David Abiara, who we, you especially have expected him not to be a part of this class for a long time. Uh, right. Officially, de- finally, finally, officially decommitted. Um, and then uh, Kevin Gilliam, kid from Virginia that uh, Notre Dame was recruiting, who was committed to Oklahoma, kind of reaffirmed his commitment. And so then there was a, there was a space. Now Notre Dame is targeting going after Devin Apu uh, from Oxnard, California, who is currently committed to UCLA. Uh, can you kind of give us uh, the insight there? What's what's going on with him? Yeah, and, and also just to touch on it and to close the book on it, and I'm from the last time we talked about Kelvin Gilliam, um, I want to say this. like, This was a recruitment that I felt was really, really – and I, again, I didn't, I didn't go as far as putting in a crystal ball pick for Notre Dame because I did have some reservations, some current concerns, despite the fact that Notre Dame felt really, really good about landing him. I do think that they were very, very close to getting that flip, but honestly, kudos – and much of the credit needs to go to the Oklahoma staff for getting that done. Um, I honestly think Gillian was leaning toward Notre Dame, and he was excited about a future in South Bend, and he was being recruited really well by the staff and the players and the, and the commits. But I really think that that Sooner staff dug in and made him feel like the the priority that he that he's been for that class, and and that's kind of how they were able to hold on to him. So again, just wanted to kind of close the book on that one and give him a, give a shout out to the Oklahoma staff for the work there, but. Um, I do feel great about Notre Dame landing Devin Apu, uh, a 6'5", 220, 225-pound defensive end out of uh, Oxnard, California. He's currently committed to UCLA. Um, I definitely expected it to happen over the weekend, but again, I think that I think they were just trying to get all their ducks in a row before it happens. Um, you know, my my 24/7 Sports Crystal Ball is on Notre Dame. It's probably in the eight or nine range. Like I, I'm not concerned about this pick at all. Um, barring some random red flag late, um, where he's just not accepted. But again, I, I would expect that at some point between, and obviously now and now and Wednesday, but probably the end of this week that Apu would be in the class. And, and this is a guy that he was basically just the, the second, um, guy in the, in the tier of defensive linemen that they were going to offer next behind Gilliam. So, um, Notre Dame is extremely fired up. I can assure you that they love his potential. They like that he can play a variety of positions. That he's that athletic. I mean, there's he's not gonna he's gonna enroll early uh, at the school he chooses, whether that be officially UCLA or Notre Dame. Uh, but he was gonna play his senior season, and it's wild because his head coach was talking about using him as 
a safety, a rover, a pass rusher. I mean, this guy can play all over the field right now at 220-plus pounds. So it's pretty impressive. But I think uh, after a redshirt year and he, if he chooses Notre Dame, I think Matt, Matt Bayless is going to turn this guy into a monster a, a year from now. He feels like, like an Anthony Barr kind of, yeah, that's kind not of a type player. Nope. I don't know. Maybe it's just the UCLA <laughs> yeah. thing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was the uh, yeah that was before my time. But everything I've heard about that one that uh that's not a name that Notre that excites Notre Dame fans too much. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> um, how did so? Let me ask you, just how does that kind of go about? So he's the second tier of guys going. Like, how long has Notre Dame been on him? Like, has this been just like a a, a full cycle? We're like, hey, we're looking at you. Um, you know, I, I guess how do you sell a kid that you're not their number one priority, and you're committed elsewhere? And then I mean, I think Notre Dame does a pretty, I think they do a better than advertised job of flipping kids at the end of cycles than people give them credit for. Uh, and this this would be another one of the situations where you weren't in the you weren't in that first kind of grouping, and then all of a sudden towards the end you have that spot open and you go get them and you, you, you nail it, you flip them. Notre Dame has done a really good job of that. It seems like over the last four or five years, how does that work? I mean, how do, how do you keep a kid that engaged? Is it, is it just that he, that, that Notre Dame is just the place they want so badly or is it come from someone on the staff who just really does a hell of a job? Yeah, it's pretty, it's kind of wild because they're actually, they're, they're, they were doing it with Devin Apu, um, and then they've been they've been doing it with um, um, with the running back Estime, Audric Estime out of uh, right. out of uh, New Jersey. So it's kind of like similar situations. They were they've they were very upfront, and they said, "Listen, like to both of these guys, to Estime, it's best it's basically like, hey, we've been recruiting Donovan Edwards forever. We just want to give him an opportunity to say yes or no. If not, you're going to get an offer." as long as everything checks out academically. Same thing they were saying uh, to Devin after dealing with Kelvin Gilliam. Hey, we have this guy we've been trying to flip for a while. Uh, we've been in touch with him for you know six months because they, they were recruiting him I mean, back into the summer. And we just want to give him a chance to say yes or no. And then if not, you're, you're our next guy. So as long as that part goes well and, and you're honest and upfront about it and they don't flip, turn around, and, and in between that, they offer somebody else, things like that. That's where things can go south. But I feel like if you're already if you already know the kind of player in person you're recruiting, and you know he's a fit, it's pretty. They can be pretty confident that they're going to understand um, if they're the right fit. They're going to understand that like you can be honest, and we appreciate it, and everything like that's going to go and, and really work out well. Um, if they get upset and they they're not happy and uh, you know, they just, you know, they think a little higher of themselves than that. Then right. above that, then they're going to not be interested. It is what it is. So I think it's just a credit to the staff for recruiting him really well, picking the right young man, and then just being honest. I mean, in the end, like Notre Dame wants you, but you got to want to be at Notre Dame. So, but I really think in the end, it's the value of the brand and Notre Dame can do that. Not a lot of schools can come in at the last second and just kind of make that pitch and make that flip. So um, I think if you do it the right way and you're a powerhouse like Notre Dame is, you kind of have that luxury. If he, if he does end up, uh, and I think you have a crystal ball on his foot, it would be just another kid that committed to Notre Dame without having visiting Notre Dame. Uh, and this, and that goes with a lot of commitments across the country. 
Do you think the NCAA really screwed this? Do you think they should have? They, they keep putting these visits off. Like, should they have finally, uh, you know, this fall allowed official visits, or are are they doing the right thing by by keeping them away? I'm I'm not. I guess I'm not sold either way entirely. Um, and, and really, in the spring, I thought you know it really hurt Notre Dame uh, tremendously not to have these official visits. But their class seems to be doing okay. Uh, but at some point, you know, how much of a disservice are they doing, uh, you know, to these recruits across the country? Yeah, it's I don't really have a clear stance to be honest. I haven't really thought about it too in depth, but uh, it definitely hurt Notre Dame not being able to get guy, a guy like Titus Mokiao, Ati Malala on campus, the the safety out of Hawaii. I mean, it definitely hurt. They weren't able to lay out a, a plan and really sit him down and. And, you know, show the X's and O's of why we think you're a safety and not a receiver. Or maybe even just you, you kind of get around him and you think, all right, listen, like, we'll give you a shot to play wide receiver. I know it's what you want. But if not, like, we really want you to play safety. So I feel like if you could get a guy like that on campus, you have a much better shot at landing him. Obviously, they didn't make his final list because of the fact that he chose the schools that are going to, you know, that he feels more comfortable with that are going to allow him to play wide receiver Whereas Notre Dame from day one has always, you know, looked at him as a safety. But um, I think regarding the big picture of the official visits, I think that they probably did the right thing. It's kind of funny that like these guys are still getting on campus. Sierra Wright was here over the weekend at right. and 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 Philip Riley took a visit on his own, and Will Schweitzer took a visit on his own. So the guys with the means uh, and can afford it and are making the trip, like. They're, they're obviously benefiting by being able to get on campus and check it out. Um, and it's just the whole weird, it's just a weird situation. They probably should have gone one way or the other and said, there is no, we do not want any recruits to visit campus like one way or the other, just make it a, a one, you know, it's a yes or a no, because then you have on the Clemson side, for example, you had Will Shipley attending multiple games. Um, but that's an, that's a no, no at Notre Dame. So it's just kind of funny. Um, it's not right or wrong. It's just they're taking advantage of the rules that are, are laid right. out in play. So it's just a tough situation. Uh, it's a little unfair to some schools. And, and um, there's a lot – I can tell you this. There's a lot of coaches that I've talked to that are extremely frustrated about everything and how they are handling things and being able to talk to guys. But um, my opinion, it definitely should have um, been one way or the other. And, and realistically, because of everything we're dealing with, they probably should have just made it no visits across the board. Back in the spring, uh, Bud Elliott wrote an article about uh, basically like look forward to a, a dark winter. Uh, kind of a lot of a lot of decommitments uh, was, was predicted because of the current situation we're all living in uh, and kids making choices without full information and and all sorts of reasons. And and I agreed with it like almost 100 uh, percent. But I'm not sure. I don't have any kind of real data in front of me about it. Do you feel like that's been happening? Or like we really haven't seen it so much with Notre Dame, but do you feel like that's there's been more decommitments uh, across the country um, as we slide into this last week to, for signing day? I mean, there's definitely been a lot of them. Um, I don't, you know, I haven't looked at the numbers to see if if where they're comparing. Like Bud Elliott does a great job at that, and I'm sure he'll have something as soon as signing day wraps up. I think last time I looked, there was over like 300 decommitments for the cycle, um, which is which is mind blowing. Um, which is also these numbers like uh, like a Deion Colsey who decommitted and then came back, and same with Philip Riley who decommitted right. name and then decommitted from USC and then came back. So the numbers are <laughs> a little inflated. 
Um, but it's been a, it's been a wild cycle. It's been a different cycle. I mean, I really feel bad for these kids. A lot of them are picking schools. They've never, they've never been to, they're getting, they're going to end up choosing to play for coaches that they've never even spent time with in person. Um, so it's kind of a, a little nerve wracking for them. And, and, you know, you, you get, you get to doing this job and you care about these kids and you want them to be successful and be happy and you hope that they make the right decisions. But, um, you know, and then you're stuck with a, a, a basically a clean slate and they could transfer after, after this year coming up, you got that kind of weird rule going there. So there's just a whole lot of craziness going on on the recruiting side and the transfer side, you know, the transfer portal's a big deal at 24 seven now. So we, we're dealing with that. So there's just a lot of craziness going on in college football, but I think that's kind of the theme of uh, the way 2020 has been. Okay. And last one for me, uh, since you brought up the transfer portal, uh, I know there's been a lot of, a lot of, a lot of chatter out there in the, in Notre Dame world about will Notre Dame go after a, a, a transfer quarterback next year? Do you feel that they will? And, and also, do you think they should? I, I don't, I don't think they will. I feel like at the start of next season, the quarterback's going to be Clark Pine and Buckner. I think those are going to be the three, but I definitely believe that they should do their due diligence, keep an eye on it, see who's available. Um, I just know that, you know, it's funny when people, when JT Daniels announced he was transferring from USC, there was a lot of people that were like, Hey, well, you know, he was once interested in Notre Dame. Will they kick the tires there. Um, I think another writer on another site had even said something like why they should um, go after him. And that's just, it's, that didn't, even with Ian Book already there, um, it was just kind of mind blowing to me. It didn't sit well inside the Goog. Um, that's just not how they do things. They keep a night, uh, a tight knit group, uh, especially at the quarterback position. All those guys are very close. Um, they get along really well, the group that's currently on campus. And uh, I don't see anybody them wanting to go out of their way to bring somebody in into that group. But again, you have a lot of uncertainties. You didn't get a lot of chances to get Brendan Clark or Drew Pine meaningful minutes this year. So there's a lot of question marks, which again, sets up for a guy like Tyler Buckner to come in and really push for that starting job. Um, Notre Dame feels fine about where they are at the quarterback position. So I don't think that they will or should go after somebody else, but they absolutely should keep an eye on it just in case. But, but overall, my opinion from seeing those guys, knowing them, and then also just talking to people around the program, um, I think the, uh, the quarterback position uh, is not something that anybody should be worried about for the coming years. All right. Well, Tom, thank you so much for, uh, for, for doing this. I really appreciate it. I know the, the, last, uh, the last time you were on here, a lot of people loved it. You are just, I mean, look at these questions you're, you're getting from me. Just boom, 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 boom. Uh, the only thing you didn't know was a kid's name from like three years ago. Thousands of these names come into your head. I don't know how you keep it all straight, uh, but I really appreciate your time here. And everyone, they need to check you out uh, over on Irish Illustrated. Uh, get on Twitter at Tom Loy 247 Tom, what do you have, before we leave here, what do you have cooked up? What's what's coming for signing day? Uh, I mean, we're going to, it's going to be a pretty relaxed signing day. No question in terms of uh, exciting news, things like that. I mean, obviously Donovan Edwards is going to pick, so that'll be one. But again, I'm still kind of leaning towards, towards Michigan on that front. But overall, you can expect a ton of coverage at irishillustrated.com. We'll have, we'll have videos. We'll have our typical um, superlatives, who we think is going to be a potential All-American, first round pick, things like that. Uh, but we all get involved. So it's, it's, um, 
I've really tried to make sure that everybody gets involved. It's not just myself and Kevin Sinclair, but I like to bring in Jack Freeman, Tim O'Malley, Tim Priester, get the whole gang together, provide their insight, years and years of insight, um, you know, all into one. So it'll be a fun day. Um, Ideally for Notre Dame fans, everything's done on the first day on Wednesday and we don't have any like Ace of Turner type drama, but uh, you never know what's going to happen. But it should be all done pretty much on Wednesday. It'll be a fun day, but I would definitely stay locked, not only to irisillustrator.com, but the 24-7 Sports Network as a whole. It's going to be, we're going to have our big signing day show too. So it's it's just a great day for anybody who follows recruiting. How does your wife deal with the uh, with you living on the whims of uh, 17 and 18 year olds across the country? <laughs> she doesn't mind it. Uh, she <laughs> appreciates the hard work. She loves it, but and she likes she she likes getting to know these guys pretty well. I think she's tired of me talking to you know Blake <laughs> or Rocco Spindler, um, things like that. <laughs> I think she knows more about those guys than than the casual Notre, like regular Notre Dame recruiting fans, but. She's extremely supportive. She's a lot of fun. I'm surprised more people don't slide into her DMs and try to ask her for a scoop or information, to be honest. I, I'm surprised that hasn't happened. Um, but uh, but no, I'm, I'm going to do that now. <laughs> <laughs> she might get mad at me one day and start dropping all the scoops. She's the edits I make. I'm telling you, she knows more about this stuff before it hits the website. So it's actually pretty funny. But if she's ever mad at me. I'm afraid if she's going to get, you know, take to Twitter one day and just start dropping scoop left and right. So it'd be pretty funny. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, Tom. And, uh, and back to the show. Thanks, buddy. Whoo, man. What a, what a lot of information, uh, there from Tom, you know, just always he is. And I say he is just a Rolodex of Notre Dame football recruiting information. Uh, it's funny that he like couldn't remember uh, a name of a guy he was thinking of because he's just, I mean, uh, just name after name just pops off uh, through these cycles. But man, what, what an amazing, uh, amazing amount of knowledge there. Look, it, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting this year. I think it's just, it's going to be a, uh, th- this whole Donovan Edwards thing, especially. Uh, I think the, the Apu kid were, were pretty well, sure that he's coming or at some point, <laughs> but, uh, this Donovan Edwards thing is to me, it's pretty interesting because I think you can look at all the information and I think you can go both, both ways on it. Um, you know, just sitting back and looking at, uh, you know, how these things have gone in the past and what's, what's said and what isn't said, you know, it, it's, it's something else. Uh, but I'm, man, if Notre Dame is able to, to land him, uh, just incredible. I, I, we, I, I mentioned that on the pot or uh, talking to Tom, you know, is, is this one of the best offensive halls they've had in the Brian Kelly era? And I just, you, you have to, I mean, I looking at it, it just, it looks incredible. Uh, and I think when you go back and start, start matching things up, it is certainly shaping up to, you know, to be that. Uh, what happens once they get to the South Bend and everything moves on? We'll go, we'll, hey, we'll cross that bridge when it comes. Uh, but just from a pure recruiting standpoint, it is a ridiculously great class, and it looks like it'll help to add this add even more success in their name in the future. All right, so uh, that you know that's pretty much it for the show, except for now I'm going to read off the reviews, and, and there's quite a few of them. Uh, so, so I mean, this is going to take a minute, uh, but you know, good stuff here. This is this is the promise from from us to you that you know we are we want to hear from you. We want you to be a part of this show. Uh, th- you know, this isn't just a, uh, you know, 
three guys shouting out into the atmosphere and expecting you just to just to get it. Uh, we want you guys, you know, involved in that. This is one of the the better ways we can think of um, is you know leave these leave these reviews. Let us know what you. Th- I'm gonna read whatever you write. So you know it, it's a good way to become involved. Uh, longtime listeners know how how this podcast goes. It, it up and down. There's there's some, there's some really great episodes. There's some uh, you know if we can be honest. There's a few episodes that, uh, but you know for the most part, it's just you know us having fun talking about the program, um, going week through you know throughout the week through the games. It's a good time, uh, and I hope and I really it touches me that uh, so many people have enjoyed what uh, Jude and Brendan and I are putting out there. So with that, let's just get, let's get to the reviews and, uh, and do this thing. So first one here from Anzi 62 strategic cursing. Hi guys. I love your podcast. I'm a 92 grad and your passion for ND football matches my own. I'm writing to address the recent rash of complaints about cursing. I think the previous reviewers got it wrong. It's not about the amount of cursing. It's about the context saying home run, Home run pizza is effing awesome is excessive. Saying Jim Harbaugh is the worst effing coach ever is not only appropriate, but necessary to accurately describe how bad he is. F Harbaugh, F Michigan, go ND, Rocket Stonebreaker. Uh yeah, I I, I mostly agree with that. Um, my problem is is that is I th- it's hard. I think it's hard for some people if you haven't been in a sailor environment. <laughs> if you haven't been in a factory construction site environment, uh, before, uh, for, you know, longer than like, like a summer job or longer than another couple of weeks or whatever. Sometimes the, it, it just, it flows. It, it, it's a part of the vernacular and whatever. I, the cursing thing, the people complain about the cursing thing is just kind of a, a joke to me, uh, because I, I mean, and I'm not trying to make light of people's feelings, but I, I mean, I just don't care. I, I, I mean, I don't, you, you can call me whatever name you want about it, uh, or say, I'm, whatever it is. I, I, I really don't care. Um, it's just, it's the way I talk. Sometimes there's a lot of it. Sometimes they're not. I don't know what else to say about it. Um, but I think it's funny, you know, you get the complaints about it. We re- and like I said, we'll read the reviews and then, <laughs> then you got people coming back on the next review round. Like, no, hold up. Wait a minute. So I think, I, I think that's funny. So, uh, thank you very much. Rocket Stonebreaker. Um, next one here from orange and black tiger. And these are all five stars. I'm reading you off all five star, all five star uh, reviews tonight. That's what we got. I'm just not handpicking them. So we got, so I appreciate all, all you guys doing that. Uh, the orange and black tiger says excellent Notre Dame coverage that never fails to entertain. Been listening to the pod for around a year and a half now, but I've been following the site for longer. Josh, Brendan and Jude are all great in their own ways. And while I would say that Josh tends to dominate the conversation, I feel like that's just a product of the group dynamic and the personalities on the show. It's not really a bad thing. And I've grown to actually enjoy it because it does give the show the flavor of a conversation at a bar. I would love it if the show had a bit more breadth in terms of covering ND basketball, especially hockey. But I like, but I like most others are mainly here to listen to football content, so I can't complain. On a final note, I am very happy that the Red Wings are hot garbage, 
and I hope they remain terrible for another decade. <laughs> Go Irish. <laughs> uh, well, if, if Brendan was here with me right now, uh, he would join me in our in our our clutching of our pearls uh, here, uh, as we were both uh, Red Wings fans, terribly sad Red Wings fans. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, it, it, it's not they're they're not a good they're not a good hockey uh, franchise right now. Um, but as to everything else there, I, yeah, man, I, I'm, I am, I do apologize for dominating conversations. It's just the personality I have. I, I don't know how you, how you change that for somebody, but I mean, at the same time, I don't know. I mean, I mean, Jude, Jude goes on a ramble here and there. And I think the people, I think people get a little too up in arms about me, uh, cut it into a conversation, but Jude will make a point like three or four times. And if you don't stop him, he'll make it six or seven times. So you kind of got to get it. You kind of got to get in on that. Um, Brendan, I think he just, he sits back and, and waits for his opportune moment uh, to come up with some, you know, pretty good one-liners. But yeah, I mean, it's just, th- this is just us. It's, 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 there's no act going on. There's no shtick, even though maybe I am just, I'm nothing but a shtick. And that shtick is me. I don't know. Uh, but uh, I really appreciate the review, and yeah, man, we're, we'll get this. We'll get to some basketball and hockey. We're again just trying to figure out scheduling, timing things. Uh, that gets a little. It gets a little dicey. Um, so, but the plan is for more basketball and even hockey. We've had uh, we had Lino, our my, uh, one of our main hockey got people. Uh, you know, got Lino, Billy, and and uh, Lauren covering hockey for us. We had Lino on last year in a podcast, and that that actually did pretty well. Uh, and I, I enjoy it. So we're shooting. I'm trying. We're trying. We really are trying. <laughs> um, next one here from Luke Cress. Earned five star. Absolute gem of a show. You guys have made the season a blast. Every time new ND football podcast released throughout the week, I always start with this one because it's the best ND pod out there. I've been looking forward to the post national championship victory show after we put up 40 on Bama. All year, as I know it, will be a blast. This show is a Joshua Bryan six-star in my book. Woo! Six-star. Yeah, damn right, man. Damn right. We we are judged on a different scale uh, than what Apple wants to put on us. Heck yeah. Six-stars. Uh, we are we are the, the Chris Saylor uh, camp of podcasts going on here. So uh, thank you, Luke. Uh, next one here from Dynetastic. How about them cowards from upstate New York? <laughs> this is a re-review. I'm writing this because while well, my first review last year was five stars and complimentary, I was wrongly critical for interrupting or something. Unlike Jim Harbaugh, I am actually capable of better, so I wanted to come back and correct my initial review. Your show is aged with my delicate, refined podcast palette like a fine wine. All the things that run, or excuse me, all the, th- all the things that the recent run of noobs complain about are the exact things that make this the best podcast in my rotation, hands down. Don't bend an inch to the cowards who can't handle it. The people complaining about your podcast are like a nine-year-old who takes a sip of his dad's beer and complains that it's not sweet enough. We're not switching to wine coolers for you jabronis. Come back when your balls drop. We'll keep one on ice for you until then. Favorite Notre Dame team in my lifetime? It's not even close. How freaking fun has this season been? Go Irish, Nick in Kansas. 
yeah, I, I wouldn't be so standoffish about it all, but yeah, I mean, Jude and I, Jude has said it better than I as, as he does a lot of things. This, it's not for everybody. That's fine, but it's for everybody. So anybody, anybody can latch onto the show if you want. Uh, but it, we understand that it's not for everybody. Um, uh, yeah, no, this season has been fantastic. It, it's been, it, it's the strangest damn, it, it really is the strangest season. I've try. I've been trying to, to kind of put, put it in some, in some kind of context and I've been trying to, you know, I've been jotting some things down for a couple of different stories here, but I mean, it's, it's hard to imagine like the whole conference thing, the conference championship game thing, this whole bullshit with Ohio state get, probably going to get, just get granted a playoff bid if I was, but you know, beating Clemson, you know, we're been ranked to number two for like five or six weeks in a row now. And it's just, everything seems, that no, seems normal. Uh, but it, it's, it's been an insane time, uh, but it, it has been fun. And it, 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 I gotta tell you, it's a little lighter on the load, not having to travel to the games. Um, not to say that I, I said that somebody in their eyes kind of popped out. Like, look, it's a lot of work and it's, it's a lot of extra uh, shit for me, but that's not to say that it's not ridiculously enjoyable and a ton of fun and totally worth it every time. Um, it's, there's nothing like a, a college football game atmosphere. There's at Notre Dame stadium, big, just big game atmospheres or just small cozy. Uh, College football is fantastic. We've been kind of robbed of so much of what makes college football great this year, uh, but it ha- it has still been fun as hell. It has still been fun as hell. So you're absolutely right, Nick. Um, let's see here. This one from KDR2130. ND has the best conference winning percentage. Five-star pod. Undefeated in the Notre Dame podcast verse, just like the Notre Dame's conference record. I do, however, feel that we were cheated. We get a Notre Dame game in South Bend in December and there wasn't seven inches of snow. Definitely a rigged job by Mother Nature. Question. You've talked a lot about future head coach Tommy Rees. Why have you not mentioned his obvious choice for offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, Ian Book? Uh, well, thank you there, KDR2130. Uh, a couple of things here. I did find it funny that Kelly talked about the uh, getting Clemson up to South Bend and mentioning that how much they wanted like seven degrees in snow. Uh, I thought that was, that was kind of funny um, because I, I think we all are just kind of like dying to get these Southern teams up and in, into a Midwest winter. Um, and in fact, I don't know if it was Kelly or Swarbrick, but talking about Notre Dame and Swarbrick trying to, uh, you know, fill out their schedules and not, not this COVID thing, but, I just, you know, normally, and it's, they talk about SEC teams and it's like, yeah, trying to get them to come up here in November, they won't do it. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, like they're so big and bad, but yet they don't want to go play in uh, 35 degree weather. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a little disappointing when you get to Southern, when you finally get, you know, a team up there and, you know, in November and it's nice. It's like really nice. I mean, it happened in 93, Florida state <laughs> it was kind of like the same way. Have with Clemson this year, so uh, it was disappointing. Um, Ian Book, look, I am sold on his draft NFL draft. Uh, like, it's gonna. I think it's gonna happen. 
how long he sticks around in the league, I don't know. Maybe maybe three, four years. I don't know. I don't know. But I think I think Ian Book's like a, a really good candidate for like super badass motherfucker up in Canada. Like I just think that he can – and look, I'm not trying to put him down. Like I, I really hope Ian can go to the NFL and, and have a – have a long career. But I also, I also like the idea of guys like just blowing Canada up. Um, you know, when, when, uh, Devaris Daniels went up to, went up to Canada and was just turning it out. It was one of the best players in the league. I just thought that was cool. I just, I just, there's just something about that that I thought was cool. Um, you know, Jerry's Jackson did a bunch of years up in, up in Canada and I don't look at that as a knock. I, I just don't. You're getting paid to play football what's better or not. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure if I'm not sure if Ian's on the Tommy coaching path just yet. Have to know. Look, Tommy, Tommy's a coach's a coach's son. That's, that's a, that's a whole different breed of mutant. Uh, so, but we'll see. We'll, we'll definitely see. Um, as we said on this pod before, we all know Tommy Reese is going to win at least two national championships uh, down the road as a head coach. So we'll, we'll, we'll figure out his staff uh, when we get a little closer to that. <laughs> um, let's see. Last one here. Uh, Bill V 6118. I swear this is a, <laughs> I swear this is a five-star podcast and curse those who disagree. I've been wanting to do this all year. Can't tell you how many times I've had people give me funny looks because I've been laughing out loud while working out or working in my neighborhood. A perfect blend of humorous banter and serious insight into indie football with the feeling of hanging out with some friends, having some drinks, and shooting the ship about Irish football. I feel these podcasts have literally saved my sanity during this pandemic while making this glorious season even tastier. Thank you and keep up the great work. P.S. If the frozen pizza you're eating is that important, you're obviously not taking your drinking seriously enough. Go Irish. Oh, man, there's a lot of actually to unpack there. Um, first of all, I have heard, we've heard that a, a number of times about, uh, the show and getting people through quarantine, the whole COVID thing and all that. And look, I, I, that, I couldn't be prouder of, of what we do when I hear the, those things. Um, that make that makes a big difference to me. Uh, just to, it, it is not easy out there. You know, some for some people it's nothing. For some people it is everything. Uh, and so for those that uh, this is this show, like, look, we go two hours long. We'll go three hours long. Uh, you know, there is there's plenty of minutes there. Uh, and if you need that that little bit to to make you feel connected, uh, make you laugh, uh, make you angry. Uh, I mean, not like we not like everything we say is golden here, uh, but just you know to help you feel. Uh, throughout the, all this, that's that's fantastic, and I really appreciate uh, hearing those words. Um, it's it's just super great. Uh, now the I the frozen pizza. Look, I'm not drunk when I eat frozen pizza. I crave it. So the let me get one of my let me get this frozen pizza takeout. So obviously, I'm a big giant huge home run in guy love it love everything about it it's it's my favorite and 
But just because something's my favorite doesn't mean it's always that. But I will like sell it hard. But no, so this year, since, you know, I'm at home, uh, you know, not going up to the, didn't go up to any of the games. Uh, I, it started, it started with Duke where I really didn't have, I really didn't, uh, I really didn't plan my day out very well. And it was like, oh shit, man, I'm, I'm hungry. I, I mean, I got to eat something. And, you know, the game's about coming up. And so open up the, over the fridge and freezer and, and there was a screaming Sicilian, which I can't remember why I even bought it. I, I, anyways, there is this screaming Sicilian in there, pop that in and eight was eating that during the game. And from then on out every game day this year, I've actually had a, uh, screaming Sicilian Supreme pizza, uh, because that's, Oh, you know what? Every game day, but this, this, uh, this last one against Syracuse. Hmm. Uh, but anyways, so that, that's what I've been doing, uh, with that. But I mean, I don't know. Someone told me my not taking my drinking seriously enough. Uh, okay, whatever. <laughs> I really, I don't know how to combat that without like pounding my chest. Like I drunk too. I drunk. I really drunk. Uh, no, I, I like frozen pizza. There's certain certain kinds that are just knock you off your socks. Home Run Inn's one. That's Creamy Sicilian's one. Uh, there's a couple of Detroit-style uh, pizzas that are freaking fantastic. Uh, and look, it, you, to answer the person months ago that was like, why the hell aren't you just getting like delivery, blah, blah, blah. You have to imagine living in a small town with like eight pizza places. Two of them deliver, and the ones that do deliver are freaking terrible. Like the ones, it's called Red Angel. So many people in this area love it. I I hate it. I cannot stand it. And the other one is uh this place called Hometown, uh, which is trying to trick me with the home run in, but it's called Hometown. It's just terrible. It's bad ingredients. Uh, Palace Pizza is the, by far the superior pizza place in here. They do not deliver, uh, but I like variety anyways. Uh, but Look, it's just there's not a whole lot of a whole lot of different a lot of different places to get stuff from. Like we said in the pod before, you know, South Bend's one of the best pizza joint uh, cities in the in the country, and so if you're up in the South Bend area, it's easy to get the just this badass pizza left right. I'm in Hicksville, Ohio. It's a little bit different. It's a little bit trying. I like frozen pizza. I like bourbon. <laughs> you know, I like PBR. There's enough getting drank. There's enough getting ate. Uh, so I don't know what else to say about that. Um, and then I had a, the, the last one I actually have here uh, was an email. Uh, so I'll, I'll read that. It says, Josh, I don't do Apple. but <laughs> just wanted to email to say that your podcasts are great. They are fair, positive looks at the fight in Irish. I like to think I know a lot about Notre Dame football over the years, but your whole crew, memory, knowledge, and Memory and knowledge of old games and players is great. I get a lot of, oh, yeah, that guy or that game moments listening to you guys. Great stuff. Had to write after listening to the latest where you had reviewers complaining about the swearing. Like you said, it's a bar for Irish fans. It's like me and my buddies talking after a game. Put some earbuds in, headphones on, whatever. Just enjoy. The Clemson Late Night Podcast had to be the funniest one ever. Loved it. Spot out analysis and funny as hell. Ice cubes tinkling in the scotch glasses was awesome. Keep up the great work. 
hopefully we'll be able to get back down to a game or two next year to watch the defending ACC and national championship fighting Irish. It'd be nice to meet up for a couple beers and game day. On your love of green jerseys, I'd agree, but I prefer if we did it for a season rather than just a game. The ones for the Army game at the Yankee Stadium under Kelly were nice ones, if I remember correctly. Anyway, go Irish, beat the Orange today. This was before the Syracuse game. Uh, I'm not supposed to use a name here, so I'm just... Uh, it's, my, it's my buddy Knockout. I don't know him, but I'm just going to call him Knockout because uh, it was a Knockout uh, review. Uh, yeah, so... Th- the, the comment on the green jerseys there, season rather than just one game, I am all for that. And my biggest uh, my biggest answer to anybody who complains about the green jerseys is I, I, I pull up the, 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 the website with the Notre Dame's uniform history. I can't remember the exact name of it, um, but I use it a lot. And it's just like, here you go. And here's Frank Leahy's years. You're going to tell me that's not tradition? Like, they'll – they'll pull out the, the tradition card. Like if it, if it wasn't here under, uh, you know, under Holtz, it's, it, it shouldn't be here. Uh, like, okay, well here's Frank Leahy and he wore green all these years, every game. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know. I just, I, I'm with you. I say we do a whole, whole freaking Frank Leahy appreciation tour uh, one year and just wear, wear some green jerseys. So I think it's a great idea. So kudos to you for that. All right. Well, I'm going to wrap that up. That is it for this uh, this show. Um, I, I guess this is like the um, addendum uh, to, the, to the last we had just a couple of days ago. Uh, but you guys should listen to that. Uh, it's kind of a, it was the Syracuse, if you haven't already, it was the Syracuse um, recap plus you know a bunch of extra stuff. Uh, Brendan and Jude were on there. We had, a, we had a friend of the pod, Greg Flamong from UHND on the show. Uh Really good opinions. I love I love it when we have Greg on the show, but a lot of times it's usually because Greg's covering for me. <laughs> so uh, don't get to talk to talk to him in that uh, manner so much. Uh, but we chat like every day, like Greg and and Brendan and Jude and I, like every single day we have conversations. So um, Greg is as much a part of this show, if not just like that he's there all the time. He is definitely in. You know. I'm not going to call him a mascot, but he's definitely like a, a spiritual part of the OFT podcast uh, for sure. So anyways, that's it. Um, we got this bye week coming up. or we're not, I don't even, I'm not even sure if I've even heard anybody call it a bye week yet. It might have been the first uh, gaffe I had there. But um, we got an off weekend, and then we're, we are dialing up for Notre Dame Clemson 2 which could turn, we literally could have Notre Dame Clemson part three um, in one season, which I got to tell you as a, as a fan of chaos, I would love three games against Clemson. Cause if we get to, if we get to Clemson three, this is how it happens. Notre Dame loses the ACC championship game. That's a bummer but it gets in the put in the playoff and it's not going to be a matchup against Clemson. It means it's probably going to be Alabama. So if we get to play Clemson again, that means it's going to be in the national championship game. So you beat them in November, you lose to them in the championship ACC championship game, but then you get to play them again for the, for the whole thing, the national championship. 
I'll take, I'll take, I'll take that. I'll, I'll definitely take it. Just getting that means that, you know, if you won your first round, your playoff. So whether that be Alabama or, or God, it shouldn't, it should not be Ohio state. <clears throat> I'm not going to get on that. <clears throat> not going to get on that wild rant. Uh, but just that is still, a, that is still a very good possibility. Notre Dame Clemson part three. Just, just making sure y'all know that. Uh, so anyways, I'm going to get out of here. Thank you for listening. And as always, go Irish. Go Irish.